I just put a big piece of steak in my mouth. What's going on? <laughs> uh, hey, your connection's a bit weird. Uh, no, it's good. Uh, life is busy, but busy is good, man. Busy is good. So I'm very excited about a lot of things. It's been, it's been a good few weeks. I'm, I feel like our last podcast, a couple, a couple, uh, two weeks ago, put me in a good spot. Very excited for the future of our podcast. Very excited for what we are doing. Have a renewed amount of what you might call enthusiasm. I'll call it that. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Uh, man. Okay. Why? Um, I don't know. I just feel like uh, I, I, I'm the kind of person that does very good when I have direction. When I have no direction, I am a sad, lost five, five-year-old boy who just whines. By direction, you mean someone else telling you what to do? No, I think I mean purpose and just a place to go. Where everybody knows you your know, name. So, Mm-hmm. The hardest, I, th- I think, where I struggle with a lot, I, th- I would be curious if a lot of people are, are like that as as well, is when I have to define what my direction is. For me, that can be a little bit tough. I enjoy it sometimes, but it's it's not a it's it's not a good place for me to be for a long period of time. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggle the most with tra- well, not with transitions, with transitions into the unknown. I'm not always the best at that. Do you often transition into the unknown, Luke? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, that I was such a, like, like a poetic phrase. <laughs> you know what's really hard yeah. for me? Transitioning. I mean, transitioning into the unknown. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Uh, for example, I had a very hard time going from college to job hunting. Uh, that was difficult for me, you know, having to do that. Uh, it was a little bit tough. Uh I had a, you know, um, you know, going from high school to college, not so much, um, but college to job hunting was, you know, like, ooh, this is hard. Um, you know, when I moved to Denver w- without a job, that was, you know, really tough and hard, and just kind of it was, you know, very weird having such like profound purpose every day and feeling like, oh, now I have none. And I mean, that's not true, but it's just not as well defined. You know, there's no accountability or anything like that. Do you keep in touch with? the folks from the school that you were the principal at i try to like now it's very rare i I probably talk with my friend rick the most i haven't really talked to him in a couple of months uh i called the school i I probably for a while there i would call the school like maybe every like month or two at at, actually at first it was like every week why (laughs) you know because there was a lot of um transition it kind of like slowly like weaned away and then um uh, I went through kind of a tough spot. I think I talked about this before. Like three weeks after I left, one of the one of uh, the twelfth graders that had just graduated died in a really terrible car accident. Oh, yeah, that was it was uh, horrible, quite quite horrible. Still doesn't really feel real to me. That is brutal, man. That is brutal. So don't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just yeah, it was just awful. Um, so not being there for that and just kind of. Uh, it was weird, you know, because I feel like I had an end, and that end got little, uh, got prolonged a little bit by just some some different things that happened. It's just, it's just weird going from. Um, this is actually a thing that I wanted to really t- talk about for because I experienced this today as as well. Um, a thing that you were so a part of, when you are not a part of it anymore, um, that's that can be really really tough. A thing that you were. Once a part of that you're not a part of anymore can be really tough. 
You mean yeah, moving on yeah. from a thing and it still goes? Well, I think um, – okay, so here's a great example. <laughs> the way, uh, the way I, you phrase that, I am lost. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. I need to be more concise, screamed half our audience. Uh, in my eye, they said Luke. Okay, so uh, here's a great example. When I left my old school, St. Bernard's in Eureka, California in 2011, my, our good friend, Brittany Brown, she became the director of the dorm. I was the person who really pushed to have like her hired there. I felt like I kind of like brought her on. It was her first you know, big girl job. She's a very, very good friend of mine, part of my little – she's a part of my family from out there. And um, – and, but you know, and I was offered the before I left that school. I was offered to be the dean of college, counting on top of on top of some other stuff that I was doing out there. And I think it would have been very bad for her if I had stayed because I would have seen a lot of a lot of um, the changes she made in the dorm. And I don't think I would have liked it, you know. And I think I would have constantly, you know, been over her shoulder, going like, "Well, like, why are you doing that? Well, like, that's dumb, you know." And that's not fair to her, right? You know, and sometimes that kind of a change when, like, you're involved having to, like, run certain things and it's done a different way and you may not agree with it, but you also don't know, like, what's going on. And that's always kind of tough. So that's just, like, one example. Um, another one could be – so I, I, I'm a, I used to be in charge of this, of this huge conference we do here called, uh, called Abide, and this is the first one without me. And I love I, – and, and – and in this case, I'm, I'm doing a talk tomorrow, one of the workshops, and I love what they're doing. It's great. It's just weird being there because I'm like, I want to go and like hang out, but I had no purpose there. And I think they want me there. It's, it's not, it's not, I think they'd be like happy to have me, but it's just weird that like abides going on and I'm not a part of it. That's kind of weird. And, I, and I'm okay with it. It's just kind of a weird dynamic there. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. You know, and so and I think and I think you have things like that to just um, like different degrees. And it's just kind of a weird thing to, you know, um, it's like, why do like, you know, the high school senior who he's done with school and then he keeps going like all the dances after like, you know, that like next year he finds a different girl to go, you know, or like he just hangs around all the high school parties or, you know, it's he hangs around all of his old teachers. He like stops by the school a lot. And you're like, don't you you hated being here? <laughs> Hey, like, hey, back. hey, Miss Plankenhorn, how you doing? <laughs> Leave me yeah. alone, Josh. Get the hell out. You know that doesn't happen all the time, but it absolutely happens. So what are you? So you're going through that right now with this whole abide thing? I mean, not not in an extreme way to where I'm like angry or upset or anything. It's just more like because I was there today. I dropped off our good friend, um, uh, uh, Nick Frank. And I didn't have to be there because I was going to be just at the opening like prayer team for all of the speakers and stuff. But I had like an hour and a half. I'm like, well, I, like everyone's busy doing stuff, you know, getting ready for the conference. I can't just hang around for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just go, I guess. <laughs> you know, and it just is one of those weird things. Like, I'm in people's way if I'm just standing around. Yeah. Because it's a, one of the busiest times of of the conference, but I don't like have a place anymore there. Mm. And it, it's, it's always like, huh, this is like one of those weird spots where, again, not that bad. This isn't against anyone there. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's just always a weird thing to find yourself. In. I love all your disclaimers. I mean, it's not bad. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm not saying anyone else is bad. It's just it's just annoying. It's just different. It's kind of like hanging out with your ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go on. And, like, she's in a new uh, a relationship. And you're like, I'm cool that you're in a new uh, relationship. I'm in, a, I'm in, like, a new one as well. 
but this is just weird. <laughs> I'm in a new relationship you know, like this- too. Just because it's <laughs> it's my television doesn't mean anything. I mean, have you ever been in that spot? Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the hardest thing is when you go like in youth ministry, and you here's the thing about youth ministry when you transition out, you really do have to leave because you form a bond with those kids. You're screwing over any other person until you know that, that that comes in after you if you hang around like you're just ruining everything because the kids don't know the new guy and so you have to you have to leave and uh for me i just it is hard when you do youth ministry and you go back and visit like you know maybe like a a year later you go back uh it is it is really uncomfortable mhm Mm-hmm. You don't seem yeah, you don't, don't seem convinced. Are you distracted, Blue? No, no. Are you playing a video game right now? <laughs> no. So apparently, so Erin loves to download antivirus stuff apparently on her computer. So I just weird. Oh, I did like I did a really like Norton thing that just popped up. I was like, what? And then it said it was done on downloading thing. I was like, that's why I could barely hear what Gomer was saying. So oh was my god! Close it down. That's the worst. I know. I know. I don't know why she. I'm like, Aaron, it's a Mac. There's no need for this. There is Come no on. need. <laughs> no need. Especially, is this the Norton that you're paying for? No, I. We better not be. I'll be very upset. No, I've not there seen are that. Of, no, I think it's just something. Oh, that is heartbreaking. I know, Aaron. I know, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, yeah, she's, she'd be like, yeah, she doesn't all like it when I try to tell her about tech stuff, so I just let it go. <laughs> so. Aaron very much likes to like she likes to discover like she's a kind of person where she'll go guess what I just heard you know blah blah blah, blah. I'm like I told you that three or like four months ago well I had to hear it from Kim Kardashian in order to believe it <laughs> you know I only get my tech news from Kim <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh that is infuriating that is infuriating we are old men my friend. oh my goodness I am so old. we are old men we're old so men. old can I tell you what I'm doing in order to capture my youth back? Uh, it better involve uh, the anime stuff from The Matrix. That wasn't that bad. <laughs> you mean Animatrix? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, instead, I am recapturing my youth by playing Fortnite. You know what Fortnite is? Yeah. Okay, I just downloaded it. I thought it was a game for uh, Xbox, but then I saw that it was on iOS. So now It's on like everything, man. Okay, so I have it. I don't know what it is exactly. Okay, so Fortnite, long story short, it's a fun, lighter-hearted shoot-'em-up game where you run around and you shoot people in the head, which is fun. But it also combines, like, building stuff. Hmm. So you you have to – it's kind of like Minecraft where you're, like, smashing a big old pickaxe. Like, right now I'm playing the video game. And <laughs> I'm smashing a big old axe thingy, and you get – Wood and brick and and metal, and then you run around and you you shoot people, and it's great. But in it's this huge huge map. That's the one that everyone plays. It's called Battle Royale. Hundred people. You have teams, but no one really cares about that. Um, and basically, you're on this huge 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 map with all these different areas. And the reason why it's awesome is the areas collapse, so it's called the storm, and it and it's these series of circles that get smaller and smaller. So you you can do what I do, which is hide the entire time. And then uh, you can uh, – the storm pinches you in with other players, and you end up um, being forced to fight them and all that stuff. So it's a lot hmm. of fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's, it's lighthearted. It's kind of silly. The, 
graphics aren't like the world's greatest graphics and it's not supposed to be because there's no like gore like when you shoot someone and yeah, i just yeah. i just got killed is it better than clash of clans oh clash of clans is trash don't use clash of clans at all it's the worst game ever no i i mean i haven't played that in five years i'm more just kidding. Yeah, yeah yeah clash of clans milks you for money this is free and it's free to play it's not pay to win like clash of clans is. this is you can totally play everything for free so i went out and bought a brand new xbox one s <laughs> so i could play this while my wife and kids are out of town mm. oh man it is cool. awesome are, are you still alone right now i am i am uh let me think here uh what is today today's a wednesday tomorrow got normal day at work and then friday morning i fly to st louis and then I drive my family immediately. I'm, I'm hoping that they're picking me up at the airport to go straight here. So it's a 12 to 14 hour drive. So you have to fly, then drive. Yep. But it's not that long of a flight, right? Uh, it's a two hour and 15 minute flight. Ooh. Yep. Ooh, that's just long enough for I'd be like, ooh. But if you want to get it over with, I understand that as well. I, um, on my flight, so I, dro- uh, I had a meeting, left the meeting, went to my house. Drove out to um, drove him to St. Louis, so we left at seven forty-five. I got there at nine fifteen the next morning. Um, not too bad, not too bad, not too shabby. Uh, but I um, I was so like just exhausted that when my wife drove me to the airport to get on the plane, um, I was like stumbling in the ticket line, and then oh man, it was so rough. I get all my electronics out. I'm going to watch a movie. I had downloaded an episode of Sci-Fi's The Expanse, and then I totally fell asleep. Didn't even have time to push play. I had downloaded it and everything. Totally fell hardcore asleep, and it was beautiful. It's, hmm. it's tough to be you. Man, to my you. life is so hard. I got a new project coming up with some famous people that a lot of people on this podcast will know. And I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I got a project coming up. <laughs> you just love talking about I it. I love talking around um, it, but there is, you don't have anything um, to say. You've been talking about it for no, a no, week. no. This is totally new. This is totally new. This, there's there's a new thing. There's a new thing, my friend. Ooh, yeah, new thing with famous person, people, plural, but I can't say anything about it. <laughs> and I'm okay. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm it. I'm super excited. It was all put together via text message. Can you just tell me, then just like edit it out? Oh, sure, I surely can. Yeah. Oh, you want you want me to do it right now? Yeah. You want like right now? Yeah, because now, yeah, because now I want to know. Uh, Father. Cool. Yeah, homies don't count. Oh, dude, that's awesome. That's really cool. Good. Okay, that's not a thing that I uh, that I that I would be jealous about. So that makes me happy. All right. Um, what, what do you mean? Why wouldn't you be jealous of that? <laughs> oh, oh, you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. And we're doing a whole young adult thing. Uh, uh, Reese Roper is going to be there. So <laughs> at first, I was like, "You son of a bitch!" You bring me in. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great young adult things. People are jealous of my young adult things. Yeah, I'll never bring you in. Uh, I've got two things that I want to talk about today. Okay. You ready? Oh, man. I am so okay. prepared. Is it Fortnite? So, no. Oh. Um, so, okay, one, I want to propose that next I week. I will marry you. Yes. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Uh, I want to do our gun control talk Ugh. next week. Okay. How's that sound? Good? Well, I'm sure it's going to be great. 
Can't wait. Do you want to wait? Do you want to wait? No, I, I, you know, I just, uh, fine. We can do it. Okay, go on. No, no, no. What, no, what, 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 what? I, I'm just not, what I'm not, you? it's not that it scares me. It's just that there is opinions. There are various subjects where opinions no one gives a flying crap about. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, one of those. Yeah, things. it's scary, man. Yeah. It's scary. But I, I think we're going to do it in a way where if people are going to be, be assholes about it, like then they're assholes. <laughs> Good you luck. Know, like, like, have you met us? I, <laughs> we, we tend to bring out the <laughs> asshole because we are sure. the asshole. <laughs> and you know who else I don't like? Blonde haired people. <laughs> whoa, whoa. This is just Christian love. Um, <laughs> but that'll be next week. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Okay. Uh, today, there are two things that I want to talk about. And um, who knows how long these, these two things will go. So one is a tweet that we got. We have a very interesting question. Which so I know nothing about, about because I'm not yeah, on no, Twitter. No, no, no. I'm just saying. No, no, I'm just but, saying. People, if you well, use social media, Luke is our social media expert. He is sensual. So blame me. Not blame you. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you communicate via social media, you're going to get old buddy Lukey. Mm-hmm. So leave me out mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then I want to talk about a film that I watched that really screwed with my head, and I'm, I don't know if I should have watched it or not. So, all right, are we ready? Uh, yes. Okay, let's do the tweet here, and I'm going to go slow and fluent, as my speech therapist says. <laughs> go slow. Use your strategies: pausing and phrasing, stretching, cancellation. <clears throat> this is from Dan. On Twitter. Hi, Luke. Honest question here. As I am also an avid an avid soccer fan and proud supporter of the U.S. men's na- national team, ugh, do you find it challenging when groups like the like the American Outlaws put so much support behind things like Pride Month? When, for the sake of uh, inclusion, people who don't agree are excluded. Would you like me to repeat that? I'll probably be more fluent the second time through. That's not true. <laughs> so, okay, so your men's team, like everyone else, including my bank, Bank of America, is doing a Pride Month thingy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the third game that the U.S. played against France, they're... On their jersey on the back, it had, like, the pride colors on the number and the names. Or it might have been all three games. I don't really recall. But is June or May Pride Month? I always forget. No, right now, June. May. So it's June. I think it's June. Apple just came out with some pride watch band, so I'm assuming. Yeah, so in, like, a whole bunch of brands now are – because I think it's a good thing that we live in an age where brands are expected to be – Socially conscious, Ugh, me and you, conscientious. Me and you are on the exact opposite of that one, buddy. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, I understand why. Like, yay, let's talk about important things that matter. But the moment it's the thing I don't care about, it's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this at all anymore. Let's go back to pretending <laughs> like, because, yeah. uh, but I mean, there are some times where you just want to watch a soccer game. Yeah, you know, or you just want to get a coffee, and and like. That's one of the things I used to have against going to Whole Foods is sometimes I just want to go to a store and not be asked to sign 30 different petitions. I get it. It's good. But sometimes you just want a sandwich. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, anyways, uh, on all these – so, if you guys do not know, the American Outlaws are a group that I belong to, and they have a bunch of pride stuff for this, a lot of pride events and different things, sports teams and stuff right now are doing things like like that. 
And as a Catholic, that can be a little bit weird because it's like, I don't how, what's what, how, how? Like, how do I like, how do I respond to this? Yeah. When, um, you know, and I, when sometimes you're made to feel like if you don't agree, you're a bigot. And I don't know if everyone does that. So I don't. I I, I think the the hard part with things like this is you're talking about such big big issues here that it's so broad that it's true and also so broad that it's not true. So that's why I didn't want to respond. I I so I I got back to guy and said, hey, this is a really good question. But I think this would be better for the podcast as opposed to a tweet. So. Here we are on the podcast, <laughs> getting ready to talk about a thing that's going to make half my family hate me. Mm. Yay! No, it's not true. They would not have the attitude at all. <laughs> yes, they will, because when it comes to certain things, it's all or nothing in our culture. All or nothing. <laughs> and it's not like oh, it carries are <laughs> unknown for being people of extreme. So, <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Yes. Oh, let me just put it this way: in a post. Right, post Christendom universe, um, and I and I've said this before, but the sexual ethic of our culture has changed to the point where it used to be like, oh, you're actually living the Christian sexual ethic. Wow, that's intense. Um, like, I think that's weird, but it's it's probably good. To now, it's like, oh, you're living the Christian sexual ethic. Why do you want to tell people who can and can't get married? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do that? And so it's it's host to an entire um, worldview competition, you know, the culture war that we always talk about. I think that one of the reasons why we hate doing a culture war, Luke, is because we know <laughs> that it, it's not going to be like we're on the losing end in our in terms of our culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to talk about the culture war. And it's like, yeah, because you'll be called a bigot and shut down because you think gay marriage should not be a real thing and, uh, you know, whatever. And so, I mean, I read a tweet from a guy who said, uh, gee, I can't wait until there's an election where who I choose to marry is not the subject of a ballot. And, uh, and I, like, I understand that. Like I get in terms of Mm -hmm. like what that means. Like, yeah, that, yeah, I feel you. But at the same time, marriage is a reality, (laughs) you know, like, it's a thing that creates a family and civilization, and we can't just throw it away, even though we've thrown it away for you know decades or whatever. So that's yeah, kind I, of my problem. There's no, there's no winning here. Well, it's 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 weird too. It's tough because you know, as, as the person who just said two minutes ago, part of me does like the fact that it's expected to be aware of what's going that we expect our brands and our we expect people to be. To be like woke, I guess, yeah. as the kids say. There's apartments like, well, that's like, yeah, like hell yeah, we should care about the poor, you know, like we should care about like marginalize and like treat treat um uh, women as they are human beings that they are, you know, like yeah, absolutely, like you know, again, like we were all about me too, and we and we we still are. Uh, but with this, and it's, this is always the hardest. This is very hard for me because you know, and, and I'm not saying this is the case for. Uh, this is not the case for like you or, or other people, but why it's always hard for me is I will have my thoughts and I go, but I can put a name, I can put a face. There are relationships. There are people that I I care about that this impacts. And so, um, yeah, it's my reaction to this or how I kind of approach it. This is just, um, endure to just really, really just kind of like let it be. 
um, because I don't think as as great I don't I don't think that when that stuff is out there that it creates an opportunity for real dialogue, and I don't think that's the point of it either. So I'm not going to try to engage in that. I'm not going to really support it per se, but I'm not going to uh, push back at all because to and you know I think trying to push back is going to cause more uh, damage than good. You know, so like what I like okay, so like what I wish I could talk about is how the like it's not that I'm against gay marriage, it's that I'm and this might be a little bit of like a this might be a bit of a cop out, but like whatever, this is just kind of true for me is I support the Catholic Church's teaching on marriage. Okay. And those are kind of two different things. And and, and again, that could be a cop out. I'm willing to you know, I'm willing to ad, um admit that. I don't think it's a cop out. I just think it's a distinction without a difference. Like the church's teaching is that marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's true. But I, I just don't. But I don't think. I guess right now, in my mind, I don't think saying that I'm against gay marriage oh, gotcha. is necessarily okay. going to be a prudent way to go about having that discussion with people because it's um, it's always the on the negative part as opposed to the positive side. So it's it's like the whole like you know the whole like. The whole pro-life debate. There's a big part of me that really just wishes our culture could just have a um, conversation about when does life start. So just get rid of everything else. Everything else. Get rid of all of the poverty aspect. Get like get like rid of the my body, my choice stuff. Get rid of the abortion. It's, it's like murder. Part. Like just like and just have a conversation. Like when does life start? Because to me, that's what it's really about. Yeah, but to other like, people, it's this... not. And that's the problem. No. To other people, the argument is, I don't care when life begins. I don't care that it is an independent human organism or a, a distinct human organism. It is unjustly using my body. I don't want it there, and I have the right over my body. You know. And so the problem, I mean, like, I agree with you. I wish we could make it, like, because that's how I feel. It's like, if, if, if yeah, it's a life, yeah. then we got to treat it like a life. Oh, you don't know if it truly is a human life? You don't bury someone you don't know is dead. You don't kill someone you don't know is alive, right? Like, that's imprudent. So, therefore, abortion should still be banned. But the problem is we don't get to pick how the the argument yeah. unfurls, you know? So and, and I don't know, like, I don't, you know, and so for me, I always want to have conversations more about, like, what is, what is, like, sexuality? Like, what is sex? Like, what is this? Um, let's talk about that. Baby. Like, what is the... Pr- you know, uh, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. All the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's just talk about sex. Um, hey, I'm down. Got to get up, get down. Um, anyways, uh, it always goes back to the 90s with us. It It's just tough because I don't I, – I just don't see what the point is of trying to push back. Yeah. Of, and, in and that, that, yeah. yeah, like specifically with brands. So my thing is to just endure – and I'll talk about it with people that I know are like willing to have a conversation with me about it who are going oh, to love me like regardless. And it's not going to create some huge like animosity thing. But for the most part, I just kind of don't engage in those conversations because I just don't see – I don't know if it's prudent or not. And I, But I don't know if I'm – am I doing that at the expense of justice or charity? I don't know. Well, I mean are you doing that because you don't want to get an argument where you're looked at as the bigot? Because there's no other – there's no other way. <laughs> like I've heard yeah, of plenty I, I of stories think, yeah. where women will have a conversation with, you know, uh, lesbians at a at the woman's march or something, and they'll sit down and be like, "Let's just sit down. Let me buy you a coffee, and I'll tell you my views, and you tell me your views, 
and that's it. Like, we don't have to argue. We mm-hmm. don't have to fight. Mm-hmm. We'll just explain this mm-hmm. stuff. And the stories are overwhelmingly positive. They're like, yeah, we treated each other like human persons. They were great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and it's amazing. But that never really happens in people's daily life. Like, it just doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. people are very into taking sides. And this is part of, I mean, not to be all philosophical about it, but this is what liberal democracy does in an environment that has no understanding of, of what it means to be like has, that has no shared understanding of the of the common good right like when you don't have a shared understanding of the common good then that means that um you're just going to have nothing but rivals and you're going to argue all the freaking time and you're never going to resolve the debate and that's the problem that i think a lot of people aren't paying attention to it's not that your arguments suck it's that there is no there's no way to have a debate with someone who has completely different first principles than you. Mm-hmm. And the problem with liberal democracy, liberalism as classical liberalism of like John Locke and you know, all them uh, is the problem is um, we don't um, let me put it in the right way. Uh, it flattens culture. That's the problem. It flattens culture. So if you don't believe the way the majority are told that they should believe and you have a different view then you are, uh, you are, you are not only wrong, but you are going to be increasingly marginalized until the culture flattens it out. Mm-hmm. And there is this thing where there is a powerful tendency to homogenize culture, to homogenize uh, beliefs and structure, and it's always to this uh, this end that is um, because it's it can't be rooted in like natural law. You can try it, but it ain't going to happen. I found that what really scares me now isn't a culture without any idea of truth. It's weird because even as those words come out of my mouth, it feels outdated and odd. Yeah. You know, because I think we're just so past that. It's just like a a 90s thing. Uh, I'm more concerned right now that our culture has no sense of goodness. Like what is, you know, we talk about the true, the good, and and the beautiful, all very important things. Very, very important. Yeah, we are Hans, Earth, and Balthasar fans here, so we love the beautiful and the true. I get worried. Though, I'm like, I'm like, man, we don't ever talk about what's good. You know, like, and what do we mean by the good? And what's good for a person? What and what is goodness? Yeah, that's Bishop Barron's whole point. Is because we disagree on so many aspects of it. You, he's like the for an entry point. Many people in our culture today will be the beautiful. Because we're going to do nothing but argue over what is what truly constitutes what's good. And it's something like where we want those two to kind of come together, like with the life of Mother Teresa, that her sanctity is beautiful. But like this is the this is a constant thing because we don't have a shared understanding of what the ultimate end of human life is and uh, like purpose, meaning. Right. We don't have a shared understanding at all. So how are we going to build a society that fosters that? Well, we can't. So we build a society where the main thing that brings us together is I'm not going to punch you in the mouth for believing what you believe. Well, guess what? For a lot of it, that day is long gone. People will punch mm-hmm. you in the mouth for whatever you believe. Like, it is it is getting crazy out there. But, um, you know, I was listening. You, you listen to people who have, like, a libertarian bent, like Joe Rogan, comedians that are more liberal, comedians that are more cons- conservative, libertarian, whatever. I was listening to Dave Chappelle because, you know, my wife and kids are gone and I can do that. 
Um, I was listening to Dave Chappelle's <laughs> thing, and he the whole half, the last half hour of his comedy was about how much he hates doing comedy anymore because everyone's so damn sensitive. The more important reason that I would stop doing comedy right now, and this reason is the real reason that's been percolating, and, and it really is the crowd, not you. I'm talking about the crowd on the big stage. It's too hard to entertain a country whose ears are so brittle. And it's not just that they're sensitive. It's that once you hit their issue or whatever it is, they're done. And they will shut you out because you now belong to the other side. And he was called an avid Trump supporter because he talked about how much he couldn't stand Hillary. He was called an avid Trump supporter by the New York Times. And he's like, what the hell? You know? And it's just mm-hmm. that that's, that's just it. Now, I'm not trying to get political in terms of pro-Trump, anti-Trump, blah, blah, blah. Like, so guy that wrote us two weeks ago. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to point out, like, it's the, and I think, you know, there's been millions of conversations about how polarized everything is. But the idea that, um, like, there, there is no, there, our culture is set up so there is no halfway point when it concerns sexual morality anymore. The, the only thing is consent, and if everyone consents, then there is no other rule or law or governing principle. That's it. Done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. bullshit. And I think we are paving the way. I mean, literally, the Center for Disease Control did not tell people about um, HPV because they were afraid it would ruin teenage girls' sexual career. Like, that is a direct quote. That is insane that they wouldn't tell because, you know, condoms are not, I mean, they're somewhat effective against it, but it's not a, like it was the, uh, you know, for, for other for other things. And so... You have all these kids who are now freaking out over HPV and but HPV is a serious freaking disease, especially for women. Pelvic inflammatory disorder, mm-hmm. like all these crazy mm-hmm. things that can happen to a woman. And they literally didn't sell, tell anyone because of an ideology that involves sexual morality. So they refuse to practice medicine and public policy because of an ideology of sexual, sexual morality, their version of morality. And so to me, it's just like, yeah, the, our culture is is in a completely different place than, uh, than, than rational debate. Rational debate is gone. You know, it's really interesting. I, um, there's this book that I have been reading here and there for the past, like, five months called F- Former People, and it's about, the, it's about what happened to, what happened to, to, to like, Russians' aristocracy during um, the Russian Revolution of... of uh, 1917, and I'm um, 1918, I believe, is when it happened. Oh, right? so you were reading history? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put that on your blunt smoke, a guy who's like, Luke doesn't know about history. <laughs> Kiss my ass. Um, anyways, uh, and, I, and, and I was reading, like, you know, like, I'm at the point now where, like, things are starting to go down, and it's just complete madness, and there's just no, there's just, like, um, no, like, reason at all. And there's this one, I'm writing of one of the aristocratic women who goes, like my head's probably going to be on a pike, and it's everyone's fault. Like <laughs> there isn't anyone here who is who is blameless for any of this. Like these people have a right to be upset about this, but they're like out of their minds, yeah. and they're like I'm dirty, and they're sad, and they're wrong. Yeah, you know. And I mean, she's pretty like harsh, them, but she, but she's also like saying I'm as much to like I am the problem here. The fact that I exist, that I have the privilege that I have, that's caused such you know like animosity. Now, what? How people will have responded to that, you know, animosity is. She's like, it's terrible and it's wrong, and I'm going to probably die. You know, I mean, she like actually has a quote. She says, "My head will probably be on a spike." 
you know, yeah. which is like, I think what happened, like it's, it's just, um, and as I read that I got, I mean, chills. Cause they just like, like, Oh, this is right now. I mean, it, I, I, I could just, I could, um, that made a lot more sense to me than I think it would have even, you know, 10 years ago. Okay. So I, in listening to the Chappelle show, do you remember when Dave Chappelle did the Saturday night live thing and he did his monologue and he mm-hmm. talked about, well, we'll give Donald Trump a chance as long as Donald Trump gives us a chance or whatever. We'll extend you some courtesy or whatever yeah, it was. Like, I'm going to give him a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he like, I, he's like, I never should have said that crap. But uh, he, um, he raised an interesting point where he said, you know, eight years ago when he went to go vote for Obama, he said there were more black folks standing in line than ever before, right? Coming out of the, out of the woodwork to vote. He met so many people where that was the first time in their lives that they had ever voted, right? And it was really interesting when he talks about going back to the polls uh, when Trump was uh, running. And um, he said, you know, there was no black folks there. He said, but the parking lot was filled with um, pickup trucks. And he said, that's when I realized, like, blah, blah, blah. But then he talks about, like, listening to the people in the line and all the things that, that he was hearing from them. And to me... What it's striking is there were a lot of people who voted, and we have some friends who are otherwise conservative, but they voted for Obama because they're black, and they were like, listen, this is you have no idea what this means for us in this country to be slaves, and now we're, you know, we have a guy who may win the highest office of the land. That's crazy. And then um, to hear that, and then, you know, uh, all this stuff. So you experience their disenfranchisement, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not really welcome in this country. You know, I'm never made to feel like I belong here. You know, even though I'm tolerated, whatever, you know, I don't belong. Well, then then you hear the same thing from the redneck, right? Or the, you know, the, the people that stereotype, the deplorables and all them, right? They're like, this is a society that doesn't want me here, you know, and it just amazes me that they're saying the same thing or very similar things and both sides just dismiss each other. I mean, we 100% dismiss each other and what each other is feeling and thinking. I've never had a problem with white people ever in my life, but full disclosure, the poor whites are my least favorites. (laughs) We've gotten a lot of trouble out of them. And I'd never seen so many of them up close. I looked them right in their coal-smeared faces. And to my surprise, you know what I didn't see? I didn't see one deplorable face in that group. I saw some angry faces and some determined faces, but they felt like decent folk. No, they did. In fact, I'm not even lying, and I didn't see up, but I felt sorry for him. I know the game now. I know that rich white people call poor white people trash. And the only reason I know that is because I made so much money last year, the rich whites told me they say it at a cocktail party. But this is, my, that's my whole point of going on about liberal democracy, is I, I'm, I'm more and more convinced that that's what liberal democracy does. It flattens us out. And it antagonizes us in order to keep itself in power. And um, I don't think that I don't think our current electoral system is ever going to resolve it, which is why I think you see the response of an increase in statism. Right. So more regulation, more rules. You have people in The New York Times saying, like, well, we have the wrong people voting. Right. Like 
wait, what does that mean? Like, you you want to deny people votes? So this guy wrote an editorial in the New York Times saying the worst, um, oh, what's the line? The worst danger to liberal democracy is illiberal democracy. The wrong people are voting. They're just not educated like we are. So we should have an educated class of people that votes. And you're like, wow. So this is it. The end of liberal democracy allowing everyone to participate ultimately means only the right people can participate. And whoever holds the power gets to define who is and is not the right people. And that's the end of democracy. <laughs> so it, it has yeah. built within it its own demise. Yes. I'm going to push back just a little bit. Go for it, baby. Just a little bit. Okay. So I, I would like to read that article, but I would I, oh, it's I a book, could be baby. wrong. It's a book. Oh, it's a book. I, okay. I wonder if he points to So when this country was first started, you could only vote if you were a white male who owned land. Right. And the idea was you wouldn't be influenced by anyone. That's why um, Catholics could not vote. They didn't want to have the papal influence. Right. Um, this idea of, like, you, no one can control your vote if you own land. You pro- and that's also why they wanted to start a lot of public schools because uh, a lot of the founding fathers, especially Thomas Jefferson, he knew, and I would agree with him, that in order to, like, have, to have a strong democracy, you need to have an educated public. So they could vote, vote with their conscience, vote, you know. And so a part of me in McClendon say, well, yes, we do need to have like an educated group of people who vote. You just don't agree with the education. Right. And they or, did or, not or, want, or, you know, they don't want, I mean, there is a level where they don't want private education at all because, yeah. I mean, but this is the thing, because they want homogeneity over truth. Yes, 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 yep. And the, the, yeah, because Alexis de Tocqueville, uh, Democracy in America, his big insight was, uh, number one, Americans are some of the most unhappy people. But he said the thing that's so fascinating about Americans and is really their saving grace is that they are so civically minded. And he said as long as they can keep up that civilly, uh, civic mindedness then and you know being ordered to the common good, then guess what? They're going to do okay. Yeah, I mean. And yet, and yet now, ever since the baby boomers, we don't give uh, a rat's ass about it. How do you think it resolves? It, it resolves in tyranny. Like, there's not another thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean it, you know, people are terrified. Like, the one thing I love about Donald Trump's presidency is very specifically so many, like, I feel like the freaking yes-men of the media under Obama, because they share so many political views in common. I mean, the, the mainstream media is very, you know, liberal or whatever. But um, it's like 75% of people that work for, like, ABC, NBC are Democratic voters or some whatever that one study was that the Washington Post did. But you find out this stuff, and you're like, oh, well. So it's not like you're doctoring the news. It's just confirmation bias. And so um, – but the one thing I really feel like they did was they finally woke up the damn media to be – to keep the freaking presidency in check. And, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, totally. I don't. I, I literally don't think they did that good. And the people who were doing it were independent journalists like um, uh, Seymour Hirsch and other guys like that. And I just feel like it's, I don't know, it's just damn deadly dangerous and it's annoying the shit out of me. But I do think. Damn deadly dangerous sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, it really, I mean, like we're talking lives on the line kind of thing. Like, yeah, no, no, t- totally. And one of the interesting things totally. about the Fed, uh, the like James Madison, I think in Fed, um, I can't remember which article in the Federalist, but he talks about like the idea of overcoming, uh, like local government. He said people will naturally have an affinity to their local government, so we just 
basically the advocate the the idea that they were advocating was the federal government just has to be better and it will draw their attention away from the local and that that's kind of the aim of the federal government and so when you when you think of these terms to me i, I someone asked me well like what, so what are you like a globalist if you're anti trump and i said no i'm not a nationalist and i'm not a globalist i'm a localist i i really do believe that not all community is perfect but if i know the people that i'm living with and we are together like actually in a com- a community which involves our economics then i think that's a much better world like i would much rather be a part of that than uh, a globalist thing where you know bill lost his job in the rust belt because of global competition you can't you know can't be supported anymore mhm because i mean you can't uh, not be supported you can't compete you like we can't compete with China. We can't, and we never will. Yay. <laughs> we can't. And so in terms of, but that's, but, and, and in one sense, there's a greatness because you saw the greatest uplift um, in human history of poverty from third world countries. But, uh, and it totally came at the cost of the middle class of, you know, so-called first world countries, right? So in a sense, mm-hmm. you're like, yay, spreading the wealth around. But the idea is you, we are destroying large groups of, Homes and communities and people and all of that stuff. We really are. like, And we don't care because I get $50 Nikes or whatever. Like, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to develop pretty better coherent thoughts on this. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's freaking fascinating. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. The book that I just read is called, Il, um, uh, what is it called? Democracy, democracy. Um, shoot, what is it called? Uh, why democracy or yeah, why liberalism failed. And it's not talking about like liberal versus conservative. It means political liberalism, classical, like conservatives are classical liberals and progressives are what Leo Strauss said is the kind of like the second wave of, of classical liberalism. Like it, it will always tend towards progressivism. And his whole argument is there will never be free markets without a, you know, nanny state kind of thing because statism and free marketism are just two sides of the same liberal democracy and it's always going to be that way um so i saw a, a movie that was very good that really effed with my head and i don't know if i should have watched it or not uh did you see hereditary no, no i did not I, i'm too scared to see films like that you know yeah, that boo me too and i am too scared it's one of our friends i am too scared of that so have you heard of the tale the tale no okay so the tale is a film starring I'm drawing a blank. She played Ellie Slater on Jurassic Park. Uh, it is Laura Dern. Sorry. I apologize. And it is directed by the documentarian Jennifer F- Fox. And it's a true story for, for the most part. Um, based on a true story. It's based on the director's life. This is a, I, be, I believe this is the first, uh, this is the first like, feature film that she has made. All of the things she's done in the past have been documentaries okay um it's basically about how she was molested at the age of at the age like 13 nope 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 nope. i would never watch that i can't handle that (laughs) i would my heart breaks too much i got little girls oh i know so you probably i mean if you don't want to talk about it we don't know you can you can it's different than watching it you know it's like reading the wikipedia of it warning ladies and gentlemen we are about to talk about uh, a movie that Luke saw called The Tale, which contains scenes referencing a young woman getting uh, molested by an older man. It's called The Tale with Laura Dern. And if this has happened to you, please, please, please 
you know, don't don't listen to the rest. It's or if you you know are just with kids or uh, if if that's hard if that's hard for you to hear about those things, don't even try. Yeah, so we we are not please. super explicit about it, but Luke does talk. And the, and why this film is so good, and I need to really try. I'll try to explain this as best I can. Is it really? Um, and, and again, so like this is this is a film that the, that that like the woman who like who made this film. It's about her. Okay. It's about her life. This is pretty much. It's not a hundred percent autobiographic, but it it's just, you know it's pretty darn close. Okay. Um, and what she tries to balance is like she basically has to process that this happened to her. Yeah. She right. views it as a relationship. Even and it kind of and it basically is, she views it's set, the experience of being molested as a relationship. Yes, with an older adult who's probably closer to forty or so. I, I think that, that's how that's how they. So it's it's actually really interesting so she views him molesting her as she's she, in a relationship with him. I thought you were saying like he, her wound. She treated her wound from it like a relationship. No, no. So she and so like this is why this film was so great. This is this is now. There's some things about it I'm having a hard time with that. I want uh, that I want you know. So, th- what makes a film so good is that you really see it. Basically, she has to confront like memories of all yeah. of this. So how she basically like moved on, and it's definitely clear by the end of the film that this has scarred and changed her life completely. Yeah. Uh, you don't get that um impression at first. It's, it's more like oh, so what happened here? And, and it's like oh, this defined everything. Um, so, for example, when she first starts to talk about the um, the unlike um, relationship, she says the guy is you know had to be close to forty. He's definitely not. He's clearly more early thirties or something like like that. Okay. And when she first has her memories, so basically half so like half of the film is of her, her memory. So it takes place in the past. Well, the other half is like in the future. And at certain points, she's asking. The characters in the past, she's it's asking them questions as if she were making a documentary, but you can tell it's just like a dialogue she's having with herself, trying to understand what really happened here. Both from she's asking the things of her 13 year old self and the two main people who were involved. Interesting, okay, yeah, and so. Um, and you start to see like some of her, some of her memory starts to be corrected or is changed because she's blocked things out things have changed over time so one of the things is and this is very interesting is when she first imagines herself and as you like see her in the film she's actually 15 and then about like 10 or like 10 like i think 10 or 15 minutes later you see that no she wasn't 15 she was actually she was like actually like 13 uh and there's a i mean we we can both like say this that like you know, when you're in high school, there's a big difference between how you look at the age of 15 and how you look like 13. Oh, yeah. And it's like jarring, which is the point. You go, oh, my God, like, this is not, like, this is, this, oh, my gosh. Like, it's just so, and you basically go through this, this um woman kind of unpacking the fact that she was, like, what she. That she was a child. Liked. Yes. And she was a child who was, like. Who thought she was in a relationship with this, you know, older like older man that she that like she knew was wrong because every time that like things would happen, she would she, she would end up like puking. 
Oh God! And you it. see, it's her. Her body is like saying, "This is wrong. This is wrong." And her mind, she's going, "No, that they're because she's in, she is like I think she's the youngest of like five. No, she's she is like one of five kids. She feels ignored by her parents. Her dad's a big um developer. Like, you know, they gave her the um attention that as a thirteen year old girl she um wanted to have. Yeah. And when the film gets dark and tough, is they pretty much? Oh no, they show the abuse, and oh, it's no. done uh. in a way. Yeah, this is super dark. No, I know. Um, it, it's done in a way. Now, I, I think this is really good because I, I could tell. I was like, oh, thank God. This is a body double. You know, like it was obvious. And it's not all the time, but there are definitely a few parts where I was just like, oh, but I'm like, well, I don't want to see this. Why is this in my brain now? You know, yeah. like, why did I see this? But there's this part of me that goes, but this is what she really went through. Yeah. We don't say this about all of the films about the Holocaust. We say it's good to see that so we know what really happened. We don't say this about films about a bellic war. We say it's good. It's tough. It's hard. But we need to see this so we understand the reality of what that was like. Uh, yeah. And this, I don't know because I'm like, it stuck with me. I just like, you know, there's... um. And the way they and the way they um they the way they um the position th- the shots in it when she is being when she's when she's being like abused and stuff it's you see how overpowering this man was you know they do it's very well shot I and mean, it's very and so but on, I don't know okay so that's like the good part the bad part I'm like should this film have been made like that because this is a super important movie to like have to say like. So it really shows what these people did to abuse her and how they made it happen. You say people. Who are people? Yeah. This is the, this is the fucked up part. Oh, no. So there were – okay. So it was a guy who abused her, and he was her, like, running. So she would go to this, like, woman's house to learn, and she would stay there back in the early 70s to learn how to, like, ride a horse. And so – this was like this was like married woman, and she had this guy who taught during the year and like had the summers off, which is when she was at this house, who would do a lot of the running uh, stuff for the girls to stay and sh- and sh- to like stay and good to, to just uh, be like fit and stuff. Okay. And you start to, and it's like kind of creepy. Like, why is this dude there? That's kind of weird. But it also has like a vibe of like this was the seventies, and you know you didn't you didn't have that we didn't have that um, social understanding of it. And then you kind of see. Oh, like, the, like he's kind of grooming this girl. So the guy and the woman are having an um affair, and then you see over time that like, the, so the guy starts to groom the main character, this small girl, to um, to you know, he starts like molester, and he's able to do it by like he basically starts a relationship with her into what what she thinks is a relationship, like a dating a relationship. And then you see that, like, the main character as an adult, she begins to see that it was actually the, like, like woman who uh. groomed her to, like, be abused. And there were probably others. Oh, God help You me. know, and so she's, she's having to put this all up together as an adult of what really happened. Yeah. And it was – it's a phenomenal movie. I mean, I'll be very blunt, but I don't know if I should have seen it because I'm like, those images now are in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, um, it just like I just I don't I don't want to get too specific because I think it's just not yeah, yeah. Thank you. appropriate. But um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm like I wish I didn't see that. But 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 then there's part of me is like, should, but like again, going back to the example of like certain like war films or certain things about the Holocaust or other like horrors, 
that's good for us. Like, you know, John Paul II even talks about during the like millennium, I believe he was saying like, is it the right word? The millennium was, was it called the millennium? What do you call it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just haven't, I've said that in like since 2000. So, um, uh, he says like, go see the good parts of what we've done. Go see the bad things as well. Yeah. In his, like, go in to- his memory and identity, that's like a main point of his, of his book is like, we are going to forget all this. We're going to forget it all. And once we forget it all, it's going to ruin us. And mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? Memory and identity, I think. Yeah, I don't, don't remember. Yeah. No, I think that was it. But, but I feel like, you know, in a way after when I saw, sh- when I saw, when I saw Schindler's sh- List, I feel like I knew what the Holocaust was like. You know, that's that's my first experience. Yeah. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Now there are other things that I've done going to like Auschwitz that have, yeah. you know, really, really deep in that. But that was the first time I ever experienced that. This was like, I know now what abuse looks like, like in like what it actually looks like, you know, and this notion of a woman grooming a child for a man, like is not, it's scary how, how that's not unheard of. Like there was some guy that there's some terrible story that had happened where a woman, um, you know, it was a couple and it's always like a couple, but it's not the woman having sexual relations or, uh, you know, assaulting. Mm -hmm. It's always like she's doing it on behalf of, the man or something it, it, it is ah yeah ah. yeah and it just like while i watched it so this when this premiered at cans and i believe a couple people actually walked out i can under um, i mean it's like that um which monica to, yeah oh what's her name she played mary magdalene in passion of the christ um she did that she did a movie where it's like a horribly it's a horrible rape scene and it's like the full scene you know, and I don't yeah. know what movie it's like a, you know, art house type movie. But, um, you know, you like, OK, so I was a young kid trying to watch softcore porn on HBO, you know, whenever and young kid, a high school student. And I saw a movie about, you know, it's a mainstream movie, neo-Nazi something or other. Maybe it was about violent pornography i don't i don't know what it was about i was just like not paying attention to anything fast you know waiting skipping oh this looks like it could have nudity and it ended up being like a uh i wish i could remember the name of the actor you would know him if i if you saw a picture of him but essentially long story short there was a scene of a rape of a of a young woman and it was uh being played in an underground like neo-nazi like porn theater and the rape scene was like horrific and Men were getting off to it, and this guy and I and I. So I see all of this, right? So you don't see the rape, but it's so implied. And then you see men in the theater who are watching this video, and they're getting off to it. And I, you know, change the channel, turn the TV off, and I, I probably cried all night long because it stays with you. And mm-hmm. and here's the problem with that: like I, I can remember like the dialogue. I was probably fourteen, fifteen. I can remember what they were talking about, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. It stays with you. And, but that, that was outlandish in a sense, you know, it, a neo-Nazi porn theater underground. You're like, how's that going to affect my life? But what you're talking about with this movie is like, no, this is a thing that, you know, whatever, one out of three girls this happens to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, 
and for me, like why I feel like it's important is because again, now I know what that it's not just like, Oh, because I think it's always tends to be defined as an inappropriate touch or something. That's, that's where my mind goes when I hear that, you know, um, I just, you know, it just, I mean, not where my mind goes, but that sounds weird. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like, that's what you think of when you hear someone you know molested I mean? someone. It's like. Yeah. I, I don't think. Yeah. It's just like, a, oh, you know, I, I don't think what I saw, which I was just like, oh, my God. Like, it just, it. I mean, I remember when I saw both me and we're like, oh, no. Like, just like, I remember, like, I, like, put my hand over my face. I was like, no, don't. I, you know, I wanted to beat the shit out of the guy, right. you know. Like, you just, you just are so like, what are you doing to this girl? And it just. Here's the um, terrible thing. They know what they're doing to the girl. That's the worst I part. They know mm-hmm. that they're destroying innocence. They know it. Yeah. And it, uh, it's just, it's like, and, you know, I always say judge a film by how long it sticks with you. If it sticks with you for a while, that means that there is like something there. And there's something. Like, and so it's why I'm like, this is, I, I'm not saying that I, I recommend this film, but I am saying like, this has haunted me. I don't know if it's good or bad. Um, internet judge away i guess this because I, I i just i heard a great catholic stuff you should know episode a couple of weeks ago about uh horror films and like is it good to watch those and what did they say they're kind of um for what i recall they're like for the most part like perhaps kind of not because these are like evil like violent things yeah. like why do we need to see this like the one thing about you know? war and i think mel gibson in uh what was the war movie he recently made um, we were soldiers oh no, 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 um, no, no. the one about the, hacksaw ridge yeah hacksaw ridge hacksaw ridge was Fascinating because it's all about this guy who refused because of his denominational beliefs, refused to fight and hold a gun, but at the same, but, you know, still wanted to serve his country by being a medic. But there was some like way over the top brutal murder death scenes in there that you're like, really, Mel? There's a point where, um, I mean, it is educational and we need to, we need to do it. But at the same time, like you're, the visual medium is a dangerous medium to play lightly with. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're right. I mean, these things can stay with you for a very long time. And that's why, like, I remember reading the Wikipedia of, uh, what's that psycho Rob zombie, one of his movies. And there was a rape scene in it and they talk about it in the Wikipedia page. And, you know, I know it's a movie. I, I understand that, but like, I, I know that no one's really getting hurt, but that people find a rape scene to be a part of a horror genre, <laughs> you know, like, no, no, that's, these are the things yeah. that I feel like as a culture, we go too far. Like sexual violence, like zombies eating you is not a normal thing. Sexual violence is, and we ought not to equate the two, but you see this all the time. Like there's sex in our violence and violence in our sex. When you watch, like I used to, you know, you go to blockbuster and you go to the drama section and it's like, a woman in a thong with a gun behind her back. And it's like, you know, we can't seem to separate our, our sex and our violence. I mean, we just, we just are immersed in it. Where do you draw the line then? Like what, like, do you think that film is, is that appropriate? It's the wrong word, but like, is it wrong to watch, to, to watch that part of that film? I, I feel like it's, I would have fast part. forwarded it because I know sure. that my brain I know that I, I mean, I would, I would be undone by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially because you have kids, yeah. you know, and just because, because I, like, I don't know, like, I know these things are important, but it's not like, I don't know that they're not real and they're not important. And yeah. you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to be reminded 
of the absolute ugliness of it. And I think there's a point where, like in the UK, it is illegal to not just film a 19-year-old and say she's thir- – or to film a 13-year-old having sex, obviously. But it's illegal to say, oh, she's 13, even though the actress is 21, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't even make that movie in the UK, which is why Game of Thrones, they had to age all the characters because – the Khaleesi couldn't be 14 years old or whatever. And so um, it would be illegal to make it in in the UK. That being said, there are people who are going to watch this movie because of that. And that scares me even more. You know, I never thought about that. Yeah, Like there are going to be people that are going to watch this shit for those scenes. And that, that's another reason why all this stuff, you know, I feel terrible for the actress that they got to do those scenes. So, Oh, God, we live in a horrible, horrible world. And you don't believe in the fall, yeah. people? You don't believe in the fall. <laughs> All we need is education and everyone's going to be okay? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh. All right. Uh, can, can I change the subject? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Now, that being said, Luke, I saw a terrible women's movie. <laughs> a terrible, terrible women's movie. And I want to have a discussion with you about this, Luke. I'm bummed that that sucks. Okay. Ocean's 8 is a terrible, terrible, terrible movie. Can I tell you? Has it gotten what? Decent reviews? No, sorry. No, I don't know. Keep going. Here's my review of it. I was excited to see it. I'm a Sandra Bullock fan. I'm a Kate Blanchett fan. I'm a, I'm a Mindy fan. I'm a, who else is in it? What other 5,000 women were in that movie? Sarah Paulson. She's hilarious. If you go on YouTube and type in Sarah Paulson jimmy fallon impressions okay holly hunter talking about a gas station i love holly hunter oh i love her too this is great jimmy this is so great i mean it, this is so superior to that uh that uh service station on wilshire so you got all this is great jimmy this is so great i love this i love this so much okay you you got all sorts of snacks skittles starburst sunflower seeds if you're trying to watch your sugar but... have you seen oceans 11 luke oh yeah i love that film. right Ocean's Eleven is great. Brad Pitt, George, uh, George, uh, what's his name? George, I keep wanting to call him George Carlin. George. Uh, George Clooney. George Clooney. I keep wanting to call him George Carlin. They are two very different men, but they are very charismatic, very charming men. And their personalities are, like, super charming in the movie. It was as if the the, the director said, okay, Sandra, this is the, the way that we want to go. Like, People love you. Uh, your smile lights up a room. You have, you're an amazing actress. You have wonderful stage presence. We want you to put all that aside and just pretend like you're a piece of cardboard. You are a cardboard cutout of Sandra Bullock doing this role. There was no charm. Mm. There was a, here's, this is my biggest problem with these stuff. When they, when they do a franchise, like you cannot help but compare it to the men, right? Isn't that the opposite of what they want you to do? It's like, Hey, we're we're women. We're gonna do an action movie. Uh, I don't know what you call it—an action movie, mm-hmm. right? Uh, action. Uh, it's no, it's a heist film. Right, it's a heist film. But like, if you're going to Netflix, they don't have heist film as a category. It's like, yeah, but I wouldn't say it's yeah. But uh, fair yes, enough, yes, fair yes. enough, fair enough. Action, okay. action, action yeah. adventure, whatever. Because it's it's got it's there's like a there is a tone to those films, right? Absolutely. So, and I love I love heist movies. I was actually gonna watch the original Ocean's Eleven uh, tonight with the Rat Pack, but uh, I have self-respect so i didn't but the when you start when you call something 
when you associate like Ghostbusters and Ocean's Eleven, but you're going to make the female version of the thing, you're always going to be doing it within the shadow of that thing. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? This is the thing I was trying to talk to. Me and my assistant were talking about it because she really wanted to see the movie. And I, I really wanted to see the movie. I liked the previews. I was talking with someone and they were like, oh, I knew it was going to be terrible from the previews. And I was like, oh, I, I, I thought it looked awesome. So I was going in it with good expectations, not like absurd. Like, I loved Ocean's Eleven. This is going to be a great cast. Great. Pe- okay, enough of that. The whole time you're watching the movie, you're comparing it to Ocean's Eleven. They have some characters mm-hmm. from Ocean's Eleven that's on there. Um, it, is, it is nowhere near as good. The heist is nowhere near as interesting. There are plot twists within it that you're like, like one plot twist, you're like, wait, what the hell? Like, why would I? Like, that was, that was barely even hinted at. It's like you just threw that in there at the end being like, aha, look what we did. And there was another plot mm-hmm. twist that you're just like, this is not really believable. It's, it's, it's one of the few scenes that I actually laughed at, but it's not believable at all. I probably laughed out loud five times the whole movie. Like, oh, like literally, huh, like that kind of laugh. Like, huh, you know, huh. not like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Just, huh. And I that that's unfortunate. I mean, literally, literally, Sandra Bullock just there's zero charm about her. Mm. And I'm not saying women have to be charming or perfect or be. I mean, they're all gorgeous. Number one, they're all stunning. But the funny thing is, by compare by calling it oceans, you're like, yeah, you got to be as charming as these guys. You know, like it's undoing the yeah. very reason for those things. I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like, well, like I have no problem with a women women carrying a franchise. I'm not one of those idiots who are like, well, women can't carry a franchise. That's a problem. I'm like, I feel like they're setting them up for failure because it's just a comparison trap. And even James Corden, Carden, whatever his name is, he was in the movie, and I felt like he, like he, I, he had a couple good lines, but for the most part, I was like, it's like they got the funniest people and told them, you know, play it straight. It's like I don't want these people. Like, why is James Corden well, playing it straight? You know what's really weird is I I think hmm. I I agree I'm all about having films that are I want to have like women I want to have like franchise films that are carried and f- and predominantly feature and predominantly feature like women I think that'd be awesome and great uh, I think women are can are hilarious you know like I I, I love a female <laughs> I love comedians the I'm, I'm trying to, yeah I love the ladies but um, no but you know. Um, Okay, so why not do – why don't I have like a franchise based off of – I think it's called I Spy or, or whatever with um, – like Melissa um, McCarthy came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Really, really funny. Like great – like Aaron adores that film. Yeah. I think it's great. Hilarious. I want to see a little more of those movies. Um, There's that the, – the producer, the dude, he made all those Melissa McCarthy movies from um, – Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bridesmaids and uh, I Spot. Paul Feige. Yeah, Paul Feige. Thank you. Yeah. And those yeah. are and great he went movies. And did, uh, Ghost, yeah. And he went and did Ghostbusters, which, which was terrible. So this is the um, thing that I was thinking about Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was an action-adventure sci-fi movie with comedians. That It's funny. But the women, the original Ghostbusters, one or two. But the, the female re- version of it is like, let's just make a funny movie. And or let's make a comedy and slap a little movie plot to it. And, you know, like all these comedies, movies that are like straight up comedies, they're not good movies. No, the Anchorman is not a good movie. You don't watch Anchorman for the damn plot at all. You watch it for the jokes <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. situation, you know, and yeah. you start watching comedies. The plot is the thinnest 
dumbest thing imaginable, but it makes room for the jokes. It's the setup for the jokes. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, and they have to have heart. There's got to be some kind of, except for Anchorman, ain't like Anchorman's just one big SNL skit. Yeah. And I love it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think, I, I, I don't know if I would agree with you. I think the original Ghostbusters is a comedy with action. But I'm I kind of wonder if they tried to make Ghostbusters. So it was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, and from what I recall, those two guys were big sketch comedy guys. And so, and within sketch, everything is like mostly like written out, obviously. And then I believe the Ghostbusters reboot was more Im, was more improv. Okay. And I wonder if there's something about like an improv action Ghostbusters film that just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, it, where in the sense of if you had like tightly unwritten, you know, like cause it, it, if you think about Peter like Bankman, his character, he's so tight. It's these little like jabs and this attitude. That's just very specific. Um, it's like when everyone like watches the office the office has a script that I if, that I heard is almost like twice as long as your like average twenty minute uh, show because there's like everything is scripted out, everything's so specific and so tight, and that's what makes it work. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same with the original Ghostbusters. Just 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 a thought I have. Yeah, throwing it out. There. I I don't know. I feel like Ghostbusters was a fun action movie. That had like, hey, this is it. We're going to have ghosts and we're going to have funny guys who are the Ghostbusters. But it's all this fun paranormal comedy thing. Like, it's not going to be a horror movie. But at the same time, you know, it actually has a plot to it. Even though, I mean, it's not like yeah, a great yeah. plot. Like, I'm not sitting there defending that. But mm-hmm. damn, Ocean's 8 was so <laughs> terrible. I pulled out my phone to Luke during the movie and I was like, Luke, 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 Luke. I laughed once. And that's it. Like, I just it was just a couple of times. Like, Sandra Bullock is such a delight. And the problem is, it's like, well, now you're going to be hard. You're going to be a hard lady, right? You're going to get tough, and you're going to be mean, and you're going to be exacting and calculating. But they don't, she doesn't come across that way in the movie. She just comes across as just this, like, like almost robotic, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not a movie critic, so it's harder for me to kind of articulate it. But when I walked out of that movie theater, I was like, uh, feel like I... For a heist movie that's as intricate as Ocean's Eleven, I was like, well, I feel where – I think I knew where all that was coming from, and I could mm-hmm. – outside of the one outlandish ending thing like, oh, well, guess what we actually did? You're like, wait, what? See, I love that. I was so – I was like, oh, that's great. Wrapped up nicely. <laughs> like, I, I, I just like being – it caught me by surprise. What? How it all played out. Ocean's 11. No, no, no. I'm talking about Ocean's 8. Ocean's 8 had an ending oh, part okay. that was okay. so... Sorry, I'm like flipping them back. It had an ending that you're just like... They're like, well, what about this? And she's like, well, this happened that none of us knew about and was only foreshadowed by two tiny little things. Like, it like came out of the blue. So I just... There were certain things I'm like, come on, this is killing me. It's like, it was almost like um, a mission... Elements of it were like Mission Impossible. <laughs> it was more than just a heist. I don't know. I'm 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 fussy. I just we really went on for Ocean's Eight there. For I know I hated it so much, and I wanted to like it so much. It's not my fault. Uh well, I mean it's a little. Yeah, that's a, it's totally your fault. Uh, this is a good episode. Well, that I mean, so that, I mean, that's my problem is if you're like, it's like with the um, what's his name in Star Trek, uh, the the oh, he put Khan. 
Right. So from the original Star Trek, he's the engineer dude. What's his name? Not the, the gay dude. The the uh, Asian actor. Takai. Yeah, he's yeah. not the engineer. He's the pilot. Uh, Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Oh, right. The engineer's a freaking Scottish dude. I can't do it, Captain. Uh, but George Takai was talking, and uh, they said, hey, you know, we made his character gay in the new movies. And he's like, why? That wasn't Gene Roddenberry's vision for the character. Create a new character and make him gay. Like, he, you know, because he himself is gay. He's like, I'm very excited that you have a gay character, but I'm really upset that you ruined a character that already existed. And I think that threw a lot of, a lot of people off. You know what I'm talking about? Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think that yep. threw a lot of people off because it's like diversity. And he's like, start a new character. Don't take what already exists and redo it to fit your thing. Like, you're, you're ruining the artist's original vision. Now, obviously, you can do whatever the hell you want. But the um, I think there's something to be said that Hollywood, you know, in a way is kind of running out of good ideas that they keep recycling old plot lines. But it does bother me that they have all these great women actresses who could totally carry a movie and they have them doing another version you know, of a men's movie. Isn't that weird? Like, I feel like that's weird. Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to do? We're going to start a new franchise of, uh, of women. Oh, it's going to be great. Oh, wonderful. Who, who are the actresses? You list them off. Oh, they're great. How wonderful. Yes. And it's going to be a movie that was previously carried by no other but men. Why? Because we don't know how to create a heist movie. That's not this movie. Mm, yeah. Could just be that it's just a bad movie. Just bad writing. Oh, it was. bad directing. Uh, There's a lot of things that, that can go wrong. That, that, you know, that's one of the great things about film is it truly is a collaborative medium. Yep. All right. I'm fading. Why, Luke? Why? <laughs> because it's 1147 and I work till nine and I got to get up and be somewhere at 815. Oh, poor Luke. He's got it. Poor Luke. Poor Luke. Poor Luke. Well, he's got it. Got a He's a little bitch. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, everyone, like us on Facebook, uh, tweet us on the Twitters, and uh, give us your money on the Patreon. <laughs> and we'll promise everyone on Patreon we'll do a bonus episode soon. I gave them my uh, prison. Oh, I didn't even tell you about my damn prison thing. Oh, thank God. Uh, that's okay. We've all heard it before. No, no, I'm no. Sure no my, I know. My it was very special. dad came. <laughs> Your dad was there. That is amazing. My dad Super came, tired. Luke. I, I know. And I want to hear about oh, it. Oh, maybe next time. Maybe for, yeah, we'll do it next time. Maybe week. next time. Oh, Luke, my dad came. I know. No, that is that is very moving. I was very happy to read that. I'm just so tired. No, right baby, now. I get it. I get it. I get it. That's why you're very unresponsive during my Ocean's Eight conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so tired. You just keep going on about Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I just love her so much. To see her in something, I'm going to see what I'm doing right now. So I'm trying to keep you up. I'm trying to keep you on. She was great in Miss Congeniality. <laughs> I hated that movie. Uh, I love Miss Congeniality. I know you did. That's why we're not friends. What are your top? What? Are you, okay, tell me. Tell me your top Sandra Bullock's films. Uh, Speed. Yeah, of course. The Net. After Speed. <laughs> Dennis Miller. Was he the back? Wait, no. He. Oh, he was just in it. Yeah. Uh, Speed. The Net. Um. Oh shit! I mean, I like Blindside, but I I hate that kind of that kind of movie. She's really funny. She's really good in the Blindside, mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. it's I enjoy based it. on real life. It's still, you know, it's like. No, oh, yeah, no. She's she's a great actress. I love the Lake House. Love me the Lake. Oh, House. the proposal. The proposal. Vaguely, I vaguely remember. That's that. what Ryan Ryan Reynolds and her. That was a great movie, man. My wife made me watch it, and I regret nothing. 
Mm. Luke, why are you so tired? Why are you so tired? (laughs) Let's keep talking about Sandra Bullock. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about Sandra Bullock. I really did enjoy her in Miss Congeniality. I just really enjoyed that movie. So back off, man. Will's tough for me, so back off. Well, I just got killed Uh, yet again on Fortnite. Did you know there's a Catholic speaker whose brother makes $500,000 plus a week from Fortnite? What? How? He is the number one Fortnite player in the country, and he has his uh, channels on Twitch. He's a Twitch channel, and he just makes cash money off all that. He's got millions of followers. He plays in tournaments, and, uh, uh, and he wins cash money. We've lost a lot of Patreon supporters. Do we suck? Oh, my God. I hate you. I'm hanging up. We did not lose a no, bunch no, 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 of no. Patreon supporters. Every we did. It, okay, sorry. People come and go all the damn time. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, sorry. Really quick. Let's just go through Sandra Bullock's movies. Okay. Liked her in Gravity. Ugh. Not great, but good. Okay. I, oh, I love the lake house. Uh, the net. We talked about that. She was in... She was in Demolition Man. I forgot about that one. Oh, man. I love that. No, that's my new number one. I love that. Uh, Speed's still my number one. Um, let's see. Oh, man. She's in a lot of films that really weren't good. Uh, she was in The Prince of Egypt. That's a great movie. I watched that during Lent. That's a very oh, good the, film. Oh, the cartoon? Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. hey let's watch good. Prince of Egypt with four small children as the crocodiles <laughs> are eating the babies. <laughs> <laughs> things you don't think of you're like wow this is a very uh interesting stylized representation of the slaughter of the innocents in the and then i'm watching with my kids i look at my daughter and they're like daddy why are they feeding the babies to the crocodiles and i'm like holy shit holy shit <laughs> you're like why not <laughs> i'll tell you why because uh, they got lippy when their mother told them to clean the room <laughs> leverage it against them use guilt and shame over them <laughs> Uh, what could possibly go wrong? You were in the wagon. They didn't put their shoes on fast, fast <laughs> enough. That's why. That's why. <laughs> she was in a film called Who Shot Pat in 1989. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was there. Didn't. Um, <laughs> I was a key grip. I was a key grip. <laughs> Do you remember Two If By Sea? Yep. I remember that. I remember that. Uh, I went through a rom-com in period in my life when I was, like, in my teens, like, early teens. I was a hopeless no. romantic. A lot of rom-coms. Everyone does. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, I still, to this day, I still love Forget Paris. What happened to Chris O'Donnell? Huh. Like, what happened? Batman and Robin? Do you remember him? Yeah. No, I, I think that's what happened to him. Was He was Robin in Batman and Robin. Isn't it funny how, like, one film can just destroy a person's well, life? Well, let's be honest. It didn't destroy George Clooney's, and he was the worst offender of them all. He had a bat credit yeah, he... card and said, I never leave home without it. <laughs> it was such a bad film. <laughs> one of the worst. Such a bad I remember just being like, oh, this is... This is the death of me. Yeah, man. Chris O'Donnell has only been in 25 films. Sandra Bullock's been in, like, a lot. Susan, Son of a Woman. She oh, was that, in Son of a count. Woman? No, I'm on Chris O'Donnell's stuff. Oh, and they, oh and yeah. And they're including his TV work, so he really hasn't done much. Man, I love Scent of a Woman. Hoo-ah! hoo That's when Pacino started getting crazy as an old man. Hoo-ah! All right, hoo-ah! <laughs> now he just... <laughs> she had a... Biggers! <laughs> You're like, what the <laughs> hell, Pacino? Oh, no, it was I know, I know. <laughs> I remember when I saw him in the, when I watched the first Godfather in, in high school. I was like, he's really restrained. This is. And then that's the only I don't know, Pacino I, I, I ever watched now. So, 
Because I love The Godfather. Yeah, it's a good movie. Man. Uh, let's look at Al Pacino's. <laughs> so no. now I'm like, why she had that? a huge ass. That's how we should end the movie. Yet. Huge ass. I'm going to have to find that YouTube clip. I think it's from Heat. <laughs> I think it's from Heat. It might be from Heat or that weird Colin Farrell movie where they're like in the CIA or FBI. Great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. I forgot about it. Uh, I forgot. This is going to make everyone sad. I forgot about Philip Seymour. Oh, me and my wife watched um, the Mission Impossible 3 with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I The whole time I'm watching, I'm like, this guy can play almost anyone. I love this yeah. guy. No, he really, he's a phenomenal. I mean, he was my favorite character from Twister. <laughs> What's an F5? The finger of God. <laughs> 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 oh, what a terrible like, oh. movie that I loved so much. You know what's going to happen? We're going to be in the middle of an F5. We're actually going to be in the middle and not have our not have our like not have our our like limbs torn to shreds. So. <laughs> we're going to be in the middle of an F5 and the only thing we're going to be thinking is I should be podcasting about this. Remember every detail. <laughs> <laughs> what's a podcast? You'll know. You'll know. It's a tornado inside a tornado. A girl that I went to high school with uh, had had like a Facebook post that said, any good podcast out there. And I was like, hold, restrain yourself. You haven't talked to her in 15 years. Restrain yourself. You haven't talked to her in 15 years. 